And actually, we're going to be thinking this morning about the importance of hope. Uh, and if there is ever a timely, uh, timely sermon, maybe this, this is one of them. Let's read from God's Word as we continue in our study in 1 Peter. And we're looking at 1 Peter chapter 3. And we're reading from verse 13 down to verse 17. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts honor Christ, the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Amen. Peter has turned his attention now to one of the main themes that we, we, we see in this letter. And um, one of the things that was happening to the recipients of it was that they were, they were suffering. They were going through um, terrible persecution for their faith. They were exiles in a place that wasn't their own home, and life was really hard for them. Uh, and I said last week that Peter is, is writing this letter to, to Christians who are suffering, but that is not their primary identity. And I think it's really important that we see how Peter has written this letter and that he begins, as I said last week, not with their earthly circumstances, but with their heavenly hope. He begins with their heavenly hope. Friends, if we do not begin with our heavenly hope, we will never be able to grasp how, as followers of Jesus, we are meant to engage with hardship, suffering, persecution. This is where he starts this letter in chapter 1, he begins by reminding them that they are the redeemed people of God. That is their identity. That they are the redeemed people of God. That they've been called. That they've been elected. They've been chosen. That Christ died for them. That there's this wonderful inheritance. This wonderful hope that is already secure. It is already theirs. And it has been guarded in heaven for them. That is who they are. If you're in Christ this morning, that is who you are. You are redeemed. You have been chosen. God has a plan for you. He has a wonderful inheritance for you that is yours through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and trusting in his atoning works. And it's been kept for you. It's been guarded for you. And you will receive it on the day of visitation. That is who you are. But I ask you this question. I ask myself this question. What is the lens that we look at what is the lens we look through life at? How do we view things? Do you, let's think about your Christian walk. Do you look at your Christian walk through the lens of your circumstances? So let's say your Christian walk is here and these glasses are your circumstances. Is that how you view your Christian walk? Because if that is the case, if you let your circumstances be what shapes your Christian walk and shapes your relationship with the Lord, you'll be up and down like a yo-yo. You will not know whether you're coming or whether you're going. And so many of us let life impact our Christian walk. 
We've all been there. We've all done it at some point in our life. And what I mean by that is that let's Things are going well. Things are good. You know, we're on the, the, the mountaintop. You know, family's great. There doesn't seem to be any problems on our horizon. You know, life is wonderful. Well, and, and because of that, and that's the, the lens we're looking at, our faith through, our faith is good. God must love me and things are going great. But then what happens when things get bad and problems come and we become unemployed or our families start to fall out or we have health scares or there's bereavement. And, and, and what happens then is if we're looking at our faith through the lens of our circumstances is that, it, well, actually, I don't want to go to church anymore. You know, life's bad. My, my, I'm starting to lose my faith. And, and what then happens is quite often what people do is they, they question, does God even love me? We cannot let what we go through be what shapes our faith. But rather our faith should shape us as we go through life. Peter begins his letter with the lens of this wonderful hope that they have. And that nothing can diminish it. Not even persecution. Too many of us as followers of Jesus live too much for this world. And we do not let the hope of glory shape us. Beloved of Christ, this is not it. Thank the Lord that what we see right now is not the end product. But in Christ, our hope is found. And this hope we have is that our bridegroom has gone to prepare a place for us and he will return for us and he will take us to be with him in a wonderful place, an eternal place, a place where there'll be no more shadows, no more darkness, just wonderful, glorious light radiating from the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. A place where you will be with your Lord forever and ever. And friends, that is so important. And it's why the New Testament writers, they do this thing all the time. And in theology, we call it eschatology, where they continually point to what is to come. Eschatology is the study of the end times, this, this hope of heaven. They continually point to the day of visitation, the day when Christ will return. This wonderful inheritance that they have, although they might not see it in its fullness right now, there's a day coming. It is so important that we as the church continue to be reminded of the hope of heaven that is yours because of Jesus. A day when there'll be no more tears, no more sadness, no more pain, no more death, no more fear of gas bills, no more wars, no more homelessness, no more global pandemics, no more infections. No more food banks or domestic abuse. No more depression. No more anxiety. Doesn't that sound wonderful? That is your hope in Jesus. But in this day, on the 2nd of October 2022, here and now, they are real experiences that you go through in this life. Because we live in a fallen world. But friends, we have hope. 
And if we do not start with the hope that we have in Jesus and have our eyes fixed on the author and the perfecter of our faith, we will never grasp how as followers of Jesus, we are meant to respond to hardship and persecution. Because friends, hardship and persecution and trials come to us in this life. And Peter here is now dealing with persecutions that the believers were facing from unbelievers. But do not lose sight of that this all flows from the wonderful and glorious hope that they have in Jesus that is theirs. Peter ended verse 12 by speaking about God would keep his eyes fixed on the, the, the righteous. He would look upon them with favor. Uh, and that his face would turn away from those who do evil. And we thought about how last week, how that it's God's, it's his job. He, he will deal with those who are evil. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to bless them, love them, be faithful to the words of the Lord. But he will deal with those and punish those who are evil. That is his job. And then in verse 13, he says this rhetorical question. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? And this, this good thing, it's the kind of this, we see this theme. He mentions righteousness in a few moments, and it's the same kind of thing. And he's already mentioned righteousness, and we thought about that last week. And, and, and he spoke about these um, attitudes that, that, that believers should have, that we should live in harmony and love each other. And we thought about that last Sunday. And, and all that bear, uh, is comes out of us abiding in Jesus. When we abide in Christ, when we are found in him, uh, when we're saved and born again, and we come to him in repentance for our sins, and we're saved by his amazing grace and his death on the cross, and we're washed clean with his blood, we abide in him. And when we abide in him, there are then fruit that comes from abiding in Jesus. And that's what, the gospel, what we looked at last, last Sunday that, that, that Peter was speaking about. Uh, and, and he's really speaking about that here as well. When you, when, you look to do, when you look to do good, when you bear the fruit of your salvation... Who will do harm to you? It's a rhetorical question. Because we know that in this life, it kind of makes like, sense that if people are striving to do good, who would look to harm someone who's doing good? That, 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 that's just that kind of thing that we would think. If someone's looking to do good to people, why would someone seek to harm them? But he then goes on and says in verse 14, if you should suffer for righteousness because as Christians, we will suffer. There are people who look to persecute us, even though we strive to be a people who, who are zealous for righteousness and, and seek to live out the fruit of our salvation. There are people who will seek to persecute us and, and do us harm. We here in the West, we are very comfortable in our faith. We have long enjoyed the, a religious freedom where we can gather on a Sunday morning, we can worship without fear of anyone bursting in the doors and arresting us for being here. And we have many brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world who do not have this blessing and they, they meet in secret and they meet in fear of real persecution. But friends, it is getting harder to be a Christian in Scotland in 2022. We might not, you know, be beaten or, or arrested, but there is the real, the real fear of, of being 
drawn through the mud and people seeking to kind of make our name like mud. And, and, and we, 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 know, we know even politicians who look to stand up for the gospel. We might not agree with them politically, but they look to stand up for the, the kingdom values and stand up biblically. And they put their head above the parapet and they are, they're, they're taken through the mud. There's people that seek to kind of wipe them out and take them down. It's very, very real. And there are many topics now that are becoming very volatile in, in the West, especially here in Scotland. There are, there are things that, as Christians, that the Bible speaks into. And that if we were to stand on Socky Hall Street and say them, there is absolutely, I reckon, that we would, we would face persecution for righteousness' sake. We'd be called names. The people would say things about us. And, uh, and I'll give you, th- I'll give you three, three examples of things that are getting really awkward and difficult to speak, out, speak um, for biblically and, and to speak about. Um, and when we speak about them from a biblical position, we, we say things that are contrary to what wider culture and society are saying. I'll give you three examples. Gender identity, sexuality, and abortion. If the church looked to speak into those situations and speak what the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ says, you bet your bottom dollar you are going to come in for hardship. There'll be people who will speak out against you. You put your head above the parapet. Those, those three subjects, are, they're very divisive. And I can already feel because I've mentioned there's people going, oh, I can't believe he's even mentioned those, those three things in church. But as Christians, if we look to do what's good and look to live at the fruit of our salvation, we will suffer for righteousness' sake. It's what will happen. Being a born-again Christian who stands fully on God's word is not easy. It's difficult. There'll be times when, you know, there'll be, there'll be people that maybe even see things about us as a church because we gathered, you know. Oh, look at them. They're ridiculous. They're going in there worshiping some guy that's playing a harp on a cloud. There, there are things that the world says about us. They ridicule us. They think that we're ridiculous for gathering here on a Sunday morning worshiping someone that they, we cannot see with our eyes. As followers of Jesus... We might, and I think in this day and age, there's a real possibility that we will suffer for righteousness' sake if we look to stand firm on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's something interesting. Peter says, even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. You will be blessed. And this being blessed, he'll unpack it a bit more in in chapter 4. I know that some of you, some of you have told me that, that because you've stood for God's word in a situation that, that even you have family members who, who knew, no longer speak to you. They, they've fallen out with you because you've spoken into a situation from a biblical position. That, that's, that's suffering for righteousness sake. It might not be to the extent of, of, of believers in, in places like China, but here in the West, we, we do suffer. It's hard to stand firm to the, on the gospel and the, war, the word of the Lord. But here, Peter says that even if you do suffer righteousness sake, you will be blessed. And, and Peter is drawing on Jesus' own teaching in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are those, Jesus says, who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice 
and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were there before you. Again, Peter is doing this thing and we see Jesus do it as well. In this life, in this day, here and now as we live in this world, we will suffer for Christ. But there is a day coming and there is a hope that is yours and it is stored for you in heaven. So this blessing that Peter is speaking about here, it is future. There is an eschatological blessing. There is an end times blessing. There is a blessing that has been prepared and is stored for you in heaven. Even if you suffer here and now in this life, do not let your circumstances dictate your faith. Do not let what you go through be what shapes how you respond to the Lord in worship, but rather hold on fast to the hope that is yours in Jesus. Many of us will know that hymn. We have an anchor that keeps the soul. Steadfast and sure as the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Then as we move from verse 14 where Peter has been speaking about this, this blessing that is there for those who suffer for righteousness sake. He says at the tail end of verse 14, have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, verse 15, honor Christ the Lord is holy. I think what Peter is saying here is that do not let, and we've mentioned it already, do not let your current hardships detract you from what is yours in Christ. Abide in Jesus. Bear the, the fruit of your salvation. Don't fear. Do not be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything Jesus says. Trust him. Don't be troubled. But we say, well, that's, that's easier said than done. How, how can brothers and sisters in Christ who, who worship in, in places where, where, where Christianity is illegal, how can they gather without trouble and, and without a, a sense of anxiousness or, or, or fear? It comes back to this main theme that I think we see prevalent through the whole of Peter's letter here. Because of hope. We have a fearless hope that carries us through this life. Hope is a huge theme. That's what he says. Don't fear, but honor Christ. And he goes on at the end of verse 15, and he says, being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. That is why he can say, don't fear, don't be anxious, don't worry. Why? Because you have a hope that is in you. It is the lens that we look through this life with. The one of the hope we have in Christ. Isn't that what this world needs? Hope? Does your heart not break when you see so many hopeless situations? So many hopeless people? Is that not what this world is longing for? Hoping for? Hoping for better days? what the gospel offers us strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow friends it might be raining today but we can say because of jesus the sun is coming 
And I can say, because of Jesus, and if you're in Christ this morning, you can say as well, it doesn't matter how bad things get in this life. It doesn't matter how rubbish things seem to be for me. Because of Jesus, I know there are better days ahead. I might not experience them in this life, but there is a life to come, an everlasting life, an eternal life, an everlasting hope, an eternal hope where all is made new. Friends, I'm not going to lie to you, and I always try and be as honest with you as I can. Life in this season for me has been so hard. It has been really difficult, and I know I'm not alone. I know I'm not alone this morning. I know that many of you would say, I'm in Norman. Man, this last few months, last few years have been the hardest in my life. For me personally, in the last four years, it's been, it just feels like it's one thing after another. We've had the COVID nonsense and the lockdown nonsense and out of the church building for nearly two years. We've had problems with Becca's wrist and we didn't know whether we were coming or going with that. Was it ever going to get better? What was going to happen? I've had my three grandparents, my uncle and my dad pass away in the last three years. And do you know there are mornings when I couldn't speak my prayers? I had no words to say, just tears upon tears upon tears. And sometimes all that I could utter was what Job said, I know that my Redeemer lives. It's all that could get over the lips, of, uh, the, the lips on my face was, I know that my Redeemer lives. Life is, seems like it sucks right now, it's been so hard, but I know that my Redeemer lives. And friends, do you know what? That is enough. To be able to say that I know that my Redeemer lives. The sense of freedom that that brings to my soul. That there's a day coming and he will come to take me to be with him. And if you're in Christ this morning, that is your hope as well. And I don't tell you this to make you feel sorry for me or to think, wow, look at Norman. I say it because I know that I'm not alone. I know that so many of you are going through seasons in your life that are the hardest that you've gone through. Family breakdowns, bereavements, fears upon fears. Fears of, you know, war and, and Russia and Ukraine and fears of, can I even be able to afford my gas bill next month? Can I be able to afford to feed my family next month? But friends, we don't hope in the government. We don't hope in the stock market. We don't hope in big corporations. We don't hope in our professions. We hope in Jesus. Hold fast to the anchor of your soul as he holds fast to you. So how do we respond to this persecution knowing that we are a people who have a hope? Well, that's what Peter goes on to. He, he, he talks about being a people, whether it's mountain high or, or valley low, look to honor Christ in your life. Honor him as holy, he says in verse 15. And this, this thing about honoring Christ as holy means to, to set, part of Christ, uh, set Christ apart. To, to uh, uh, the kind of the Greek would um, give the image of sanctify Jesus. Set him apart as holy. He is different from us. He is different from what we go through in this life. Set him aside as precious. That, that, that no matter how, how muddy the waters get, 
continue to, to set Jesus apart as holy, knowing that he is guiding us, he's carrying us, he's walking with us, that we have a friend that sticketh closer than any brother, that what a friend we have in Jesus, all our needs and griefs to bear, what a privilege to carry, everything to God in prayer, set him apart as holy, he's different from everything else that we go through in this life, that no matter how muddy life gets, that we can continue to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, knowing that he will take us home. And he says, don't fear them, but set Jesus apart. Don't get distracted or detracted by the circumstances, the situations, the people in your life. Keep your eyes fastened upon Jesus. And what Peter is saying here is, make Jesus your valuable treasure. Friends, Jesus is our valuable treasure. Because people will ridicule us. They will laugh at what we believe in. Maybe even get that, you know, why do you go to church? What's, what's the point in that? What difference can that make? It makes all the difference. Continue to set Jesus apart as holy. But he also talks about this, you know, being prepared to have an answer for what we go through in this life. And do so by responding to people with, with gentleness. Isn't that hard though when people mock us and ridicule you and they, they insult you and they insult the thing that's really important and most important in your life, the Lord Jesus Christ, and they ridicule you for coming to church and for believing in him? It's so easy for us to want to respond to mudslinging with mudslinging, to fight fire with fire, but that isn't what Jesus calls us to be as his followers. We respond to people with a gentleness fearing Christ and holding this good conscience. And this good conscience thing kind of comes back into, you know, bearing the fruit of our salvation. We are in Christ. Hold on to him with hope and do not let any sin enter your heart, but continue to be able to look at him with a clear conscience, knowing that you are living for him, even in a difficult world and difficult life. And I wonder in this moment in, in verse 16, when he talks about, you know, having a good conscience. I wonder if the apostle here, if Peter, when he's writing this, is he in his mind's eye thinking back to that courtyard just before Christ was crucified, where he denied Jesus. Peter denied Jesus three times. Don't do what I did, he says. Hope in Jesus, hold fast. Do not bend to the pressures this world puts upon you. Do not bend and conform to the patterns of this world. Do not let the persecution and hardship that you go through take away from your faith. Do not let fear influence how you respond to Jesus. But hope in him, he says. I, I can't help but think that he was probably hearing that, 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 that cock crow as he was writing this, knowing himself to have already denied Jesus. Don't do what I did. He would be thinking. Friends, we bring our thoughts to a close this morning. In verse 17, this has been Peter's strategy. This is the strategy that the kingdom wants us to hold on to when we go through hardships and persecutions in this life. That we do not waver, 
that we hold fast to the hope that we have in Christ, that we do not let our earthly circumstances influence our faith, but we let our faith shape who we are as we go through these earthly circumstances. It's very different, though, to how the world responds. We see that even within our political world, fire with fire, mudslinging with mudslinging, that's not who God has called his bride to be. And as we hope in Jesus, that our enemies will be put to shame when we hope in him. I honor him and we fear him above all things in this life. And when we respond gently to those who persecute us. Friends, it might not get you that promotion at work. It might not get you lots of money or fame or fortune or friends. But if we respond like this, I can say hand on heart that it will cause Christ to look at his bride to look at you as his child and go, isn't that beautiful? My people responding how I have called them to respond. Look at them respond with a heavenly heart to all these earthly situations that they're going through. For friends, it's, as it says in verse 17, it's better to suffer for doing good if that be God's will and for doing evil. If you're in Christ, you have an anchor that keeps your soul. Let Jesus be the center of your life and let him influence how you respond to everything you go through, even in the darkest of valleys. When you cannot see him, you cannot feel him. Know that you have a hope in him and he will come back to take you to be with him in this most beautiful and glorious place when we will be his and he will be ours and we will see his glory in all of its fullness. Friends, this world feels very dark right now. It might be raining, but the sun is coming. Let us pray. God, we thank you for the hope that we have in you. Lord, we thank you for this hope that, that Peter has been uh, so wonderfully crafting together as he explains to us what it means to be in Christ and how that then influences all that we go through in this life, even if we are persecuted and suffer for righteousness' sake, Lord. Thank you that ultimately we will be blessed. Lord, we ask that you strengthen us, that you empower us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, to be a people who work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Lord, to help us to abide in you and to, to bear the fruit of our salvation and our relationship with you, which is only ours, Lord, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his shed blood. God, I thank you that even though it feels like it's raining, and for some of us, it might feel like there's just a, a monsoon of rain. God, I thank you that we can say that the sun is coming because we hope in the Son of God, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we ask these things in your precious and holy name. Amen.